Talk CS. We have a fun episode today, some news going over the Vancouver Canucks on our main discussion. Steve-O, take it away. Well, there's nothing else to say, Chaz, but let's talk puck. So first, I wanted to touch upon something we posted on our Instagram, if you don't follow that already. Tuka Rask has returned. There's some smaller news points before we get to some of the bigger ones. The, uh, According to The Athletic, the... Central Scouting for the NHL released its midterm rankings for prospects, and I know the information for this is coming in a little bit slow because they're not reporting on a lot of it. So Bob McKenzie, uh, the reporters that typically are on Sportsnet and TSN, they haven't been reporting a lot on it. I figured I'd just chime in real quick. According to Corey Pronman, a senior writer on NHL prospects, he stated that the top five North American skaters are Shane Wright, no surprise there, Logan Cooley, also not a surprise for the big center, Matt Savoy, Connor Geeky, and Pavel Mintyukov. So I don't know who the bottom three are, I know who the top two are. And this is because with COVID, I figured I would just chime in and mention who the top prospects are heading in. You know, the draft's ways out, but I know at some point we're going to start covering some draft coverage as that comes closer. More important things on the docket, though. Steve-O, Jack Eichel nearing return. And there's some trade buzz going around in January, pre-trade deadline. This is pretty interesting. Didn't see this last season. So what's going on with those trades? Yeah. Well, first, you mentioned Eichel. I mean, he joined his teammates on the ice in a non-contact jersey uh, for Tuesday's morning skate. He definitely remains out right now. There's no timeable return. But, I mean, we all know the situation with him and his disc replacement surgery he was uh, really expected for that three month minimum and now it's not even been two months and a half and he's already back on the ice we're not going to dive too deep into this you know we want to we do want to dive deeper into this we'll talk about it when he officially returns and he's coming back but we did want to mention i mean this is great for him fresh start the knights are looking really fresh so it's good to see him back on the ice yeah good team and that is a story for another time the story for right now though is about his four former teammate Evander Kane. They played in Buffalo together for a couple of seasons. Evander Kane is currently being pursued. Now, last episode, we have a, like, a great <laughs> soundbite of Steve-O stating that who would, who would pick him up? And I agreed with that. Maybe an AHL team. Maybe someone gives him a shot. And what did Ken Holland say? GM of the Oilers had a big sit-down meeting with the media. It was 25 minutes long. I watched about eight minutes of it because I wanted to catch this soundbite where he talked about Evander Kane. And he didn't name him by name, but he mentioned a player that deserves a second chance that they could use. I thought it was quite interesting that they would target Evander Kane considering their culture right now. It doesn't seem like there's a great culture in the locker room right now or in the organization. I shouldn't say not great culture, but they're struggling. I believe if they haven't played a game since the last time I checked, 2-9-2 and two in their last 10, they were in first place in the entire NHL December 2nd, which was six weeks ago. It's been a tumultuous six weeks. Connor McDavid even spoke about Evander Kane, stating that it is what it is. So with the Oilers, what's your thought on Evander Kane if they acquire a player like that or some of the other teams that are in on him? Yeah, listen, all these sources must have listened to our episode and they've been like, we're going to prove Steve-O wrong because you know how I felt. <laughs> I didn't think he should be getting another chance. But listen, I was shocked to hear that apparently at least 10 teams are interested in him. You know how I, I feel. I still feel the same way that I felt in last week's episode. He's been a headache. He's been a headache. He's been a big butthead. He's been a butthead in Winnipeg. He's been a butthead in Buffalo. And he's been in San Jose. 
You know, he's been a- a- accused of betting on his own team's games. I know he missed a few practices in Buffalo because he appeared to be knocked from partying the night before. I mean, listen, is Kane a good player? Yes. I mean, that's really hard to argue against. Uh, he's had multiple 20-goal seasons. He's put up at least 30 goals in he had 33 goals in San Jose, I think, one season. Exactly, and he's had, you know, when he's played in the playoffs, he wasn't on a lot of, he hasn't played a lot in the playoffs, but he's he's had a lot of success in the playoffs from what he's been to. So, does he deserve a second chance? I don't know. What do you think, Chavez? This sounds more like a fifth chance to me, and I also wanted to mention that Friedman on NHL Network, Elliot Friedman, reporter Elliot Friedman, claimed that on a NHL Network, he was featured, and he stated that a dark horse team that could be in on a Vander Kane would be the Carolina Hurricanes. I don't even know if I heard what he said next because I was so shocked, but that's a dark horse team. There's a few teams. It, it doesn't sound like, from what he stated and from his reporting, about half of the league is out, but about half of the league is in. So the fact that it's not only two or three teams that are struggling, it, we're talking about some contenders. I think that also makes it a very interesting story because he's not a culture player. You know, he's not a player you're bringing in and saying, like, yeah. he's going to you know change the culture here. Yeah, and I'm sure there's also other teams in there that are also not in playoff contention. Uh, a team that I was thinking of is the New York Islanders. This is something that, you know, the Islanders, like we mentioned in last week's episode, they have really have yet to found themselves all season long this, this season. So maybe he's the boost that they're looking for. Now, given he's not, I don't think he's going to sign soon because it came out the other day that he's currently being investigation for this, for breaking the AHL pro, uh, protocol. He got into a flight on Vancouver at the end of December. He didn't have medical clearance. Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, the specifics are still being worked out. He had issues with returning to the, the Barracuda. So... I don't think he's going to be signing uh, anytime soon within the next few weeks until this is worked out. But after that, what are the potential looking spots? Now, listen, my question, you just mentioned contenders. My main question would be, does Kane destroy a team's Stanley Cup chances? You know, is this drama, is this enough to for a big contender to bring him in? Now, we mentioned the Oilers, the Oilers are one of the main teams that are going to be interested in bringing him in. Now, I also like the main point that you just mentioned, that Kane has really never faced consequences for his, for his actions. This would be like his 50th, 50th chance in coming back. Listen, there's always a team willing to come back and give him a second chance. We saw that with San Jose. Now, is... I, I'm, I'm really <laughs> stunned on this. I, listen, you know how I feel. I wouldn't give him a second chance, but I was really shocked when the news came out after we did the last episode that Same. ten teams are interested. It's actually more than more than ten, but I'm in a loss of words here. But if I had to guess what's in, in what some of those teams are, I mean, we obviously know the Oilers, Oilers are one. I, I just mentioned the Islanders. I think that he could be a good fit for the Ducks. I think the Ducks could be interested, and I also think that the Predators, as well as the Blues, could be potential uh, teams that would be interested in picking up Kane. What about you? The teams that are interested, I, from my understanding, the Bruins are out. I saw that today. I think it's it's a lot of like I don't know what kind of reporting's going on because, as I stated before, Ken Holland didn't name him by name in the 
you know, in that press conference meeting. So I'm not entirely sure what teams are in and what teams are not and what sources to trust, especially with trade rumors. It's tough to trust some sources. I would go with the Oilers are probably one of those front running teams. I wouldn't be shocked if the Flames weren't in on him. It seems like Western Canada is in on him. I don't know about the other California teams, but uh, I saw the Bruins weren't in on him. I know teams that are really succeeding. Like I can't see the Panthers, the Lightning being in on him. So I really definitely not like, the Lightning because of the cap space too. Yeah, it's probably maybe you know even struggling teams that just need a scoring winger for this season to you know pot some goals, not be terrible unless they really want to tank for Shane Wright. So. I think you look at the Sharks and you say they're 20, 16, and 1 without him. They're fourth in the Pacific on a win-three streak in 37 games. They don't need his goal scoring. They have 105 goals. That's more than the Flames in their own division, the Ducks in their own division, the Kings in their own division. So I really don't see how his presence not on the team. I think that's also something that some teams should be looking into before, especially with the culture that he brings. But enough of Vander Kane for at least today. We have two other players that have been mentioned in trade discussions and rumors. I saw an article that had a quote stating John Klingberg said he felt something along the lines of disrespected by the Dallas Stars for not really continuing contract talk extensions. So what's your thought on Klingberg? We also have another defenseman that's in that realm of pretty steady on defense can chip in on offense, Jacob Chikrin. He's been a player that the last two seasons, I think, went from underrated to being, I think, well-respected, if we're going to go with Klingberg's kind of terminology there. So what do you think about the Klingberg and Chikrin situations? I didn't see, I don't, I don't think I saw that exact same article as you, but I did know that over these last few years, it has been a very few frustrating years for John Klinberg down there in Dallas. Um, I know that he said that he wanted to stay in Dallas, but again, the contract talks just really, what he's demanding just really hasn't been able to work out and they've really been falling through. So, I mean, the issues with him and the stars, I don't see this progressing um, this has been going. This has been an ongoing issue throughout these past few years. So I definitely agree with you that I think a trade is imminent for him. Now, who are the top contenders? Listen, I don't know if you agree with me, but I really think that one of the top contenders for Klinberg would be the New York Rangers. I think the Rangers have the cap space to make such a move, and they also have a boatload of high-end prospects that would really entice the stars. So. I pretty much think that the Rangers have, listen, I don't think, not everyone's going to be on the table, but I really do think that the Rangers have a prospect pool that's really deep, and they could land pretty much anyone that they want, so I think Klinberg would be a really big setup player, he fits nice, he would fit very nicely into the Rangers defense, He he's not someone that's going to, you know, be like an Adam Fox that gives you all these goals, but he's more of like a play setter-upper, he's like a Panarin on the Rangers. I don't know if you would agree with me, but I really think that the New York Rangers would be a really good fit for Klimberg. Yeah, where I actually, you know, where I disagree. We talked a little bit pre-show about it, but where I disagree is I believe he's a right D. If he is a right D or mostly plays the right side, because sometimes they have players switch. I don't have a great knowledge base on him. From my understanding, the Rangers are pretty short up on that right D side because that's Adam Fox and Jacob Truba. So... I don't think one of those players players gets moved. And then the question is, well, you can't play him on the third pairing. I think John Klingberg right now is commanding. I think from last season, what I saw in the offseason was that he was looking for like a $9.5 million contract or $9 million. Like, 
top dog type of contract, which is a heavy. That is a heavy contract for a player, especially with the defensive market last offseason being set by Petrangelo with an $11 million contract. Uh, I really do think that he may not be the best fit for New York, but I do think Chikrin could be because he's younger and I think he would fit into their defense a little bit better. But Chikrin is also one of those defensemen that I think is kind of like Klingberg where they, they can chip in on offense. They're really steady on defense. Chikrin had a hat trick last season. We're talking about an Arizona team that struggled. You mentioned where you thought Chikrin was going to go, and I actually agreed with you before the show. So let's let's end on a note where we agree, right? Yeah, <laughs> I agree with that. Listen, the Coyotes, they're going to be they're going to be looking in to receive a, a young player for Chikrin. They're going to be looking for a high end uh, a very high-end prospect, and they're going to be looking for a first-round pick. So again, like I just mentioned, the Rangers can dish that out. I think he would be a good fit for the Rangers, but I also believe that you know teams like the Los Angeles Kings could be interested on Chikrin. They could be teams like the St. Louis Blues, the Anaheim Ducks, who they they lost Lindholm. They're gonna well, they're gonna lose him uh, in free agency at the end of this year. So those are teams that I think that can boost their defense with like the beast that Chikrin is. Mm-hmm. He is he is a very talented defensive player. I think. He's been, I don't think he's underrated. I just think Arizona doesn't get the, the you know, I guess not credibility, but attention that some of the other, you know, franchises in the NHL get, even at the bottom of the barrel. Listen, they also have nobody surrounding him. So <laughs> I look yeah. at Chikrin, I look at Chikrin and his whole situa- situation, and, you know, I'm comp- kind of comparing this and getting vibes of Brent Burns when he was traded uh, by the Minnesota Wild back in uh, 2011. So this is kind of a similar situation for me. Out of those teams that I just mentioned, uh, the Blues, the Ducks, the Kings, who do you think is the mo- the best fit for Chikrin? Who do you see him, you know, coming in and vibing really well with? I feel like you, you mentioned the Ducks and you said the Ducks pre-show. And I think the Ducks really, I don't know, that stuck with me. So I'm going to say Anaheim just because I can see the way they're moving. They have some swag with the younger guys. Uh, the LA Kings are another team, but I think they, the Kings play pretty hard. I don't know if Chikrin, I don't know how he would fit into that defense, and I don't know the contracts they have. Or So I, I think it's a team that's a playoff bubble team that he can help be a young part of. You know, you see Sonny Milano starting to revitalize his career because he's on a line with Trevor Zegras. So I think the Ducks are an enticing team, especially... Troy Terry drafted, this year too. Yeah, Troy Terry. I know you have him fantasy. <laughs> uh, Jamie Drysdale is the other piece. I think he if if Chikrin, I don't know what side he plays. That would be a great pairing if they acquire Chikrin and they can play him with one of those young defensemen and they can grow like we've seen some other teams in the league present like a Quinn Hughes, Tyler Myers pairing. Adam, we brought up Adam Fox, Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren. If you have pairings like that that can grow together. That is going to bring playoff success, I think, especially with players like that are talented, like Drysdale, Chikrin, offensive players, also great at shoring things up in the D zone. That would be, I think, probably the number one call for me. Yeah, and listen, they also have guys like Kevin Shattenkirk down there. They have Josh Manson, Cam Fowler. So adding Chikrin in, slotting him into this defensive pairing, this is going to be a really strong defense, which you can never have a strong defense down there for uh, the Ducks. So we'll see how they take this. Let's move on to our main discussion today. Who is it going to be? What team are we talking about today, Chives? Vancouver Canucks, baby. Vancouver Canucks. How did they turn things around? That's the question that we're going to dive into. We wanted to talk about them last episode. Didn't get the chance, but let's get right into it. 
Good vibes save the season. The Canucks are 8-1-1 in their last 10. And these include victories over the Bruins, the Jets, the Hurricanes, and the Sharks. All teams that we brought up in playoff conversation. Am I right, Steve-O? Yes, sir. Listen, they started this year with, with a horrible start. I believe they were 7-15-2, and, and two, something along those lines. And they really were having a hard time putting together a, a full string of wins. But you just mentioned their record since. They've been very good. Now, listen... All across the board, we're going to jump into these X-Factors X here and really break down the Canucks, but their special teams have been playing notably better. They've been much better on the power play. I mean, these are things that they were really struggling with. They were struggling with their special teams early on in the season, and they were really struggling with individual performances. And all around, they all across the board, they've been not been playing well in the beginning part of the season, but there have been many X factors into why they've been turning they've turned this around. Do you want to start off first? Yeah, I think it's as simple as Boudreaux is often credited as a player's coach and has be this has become evident. This young team is definitely believing now. And that's the key, is that they believe in themselves. It seems that the tense nature that was reported about the team is more laxed. If if you listen to some of the press uh, post-game conferences with Boudreaux, the players they don't seem as tense. They seem like as, you know, when, when things get difficult and things get stressful, you pack more pressure into a game. It's like, oh, we're playing the Bruins. They're a playoff contender. We have to bring our A game. And if they're struggling, then it becomes more frustrating. That's where a negative culture kind of starts to brew, especially with young players that their confidence is pretty fragile. Uh, I'll, you know, I'm speaking from our the, the chair we're sitting in right now. It's not like I had NHL experience, but from what's been reported, that's what it sounds like. Besser, Brock Besser, I want to touch upon some players that uh, have been key to turn, you know, the turnaround, yeah, players that have turned things around. Besser is five points in his last five after only having five goals in his first 23 games. So five points in the last five games as opposed to five goals in his first 23. I think that's pretty notable, especially since you see Boudreaux walk through the locker room door and now they're 8-1-1 one, one in their last 10. Who do you think has turned things around for the Vancouver Canucks. Well, listen, you just mentioned some top players on the offensive side. I'm going to shift more to the defensive side. You you want to talk about defensive studs. How about Quinn Hughes? He's played a really key, key role. As he's, he's on a little bit of a hot streak here. He's been taking on a huge role for the Canucks. He's been averaging nearly around like 26, 27 minutes per game, which is really wow. big. And he's been adding, he's, you know, another one of those guys we just mentioned about Klinberg, you know, being behind the play, setting up, you know, with the assists and setting up goals. He's had a stretch here where he, he's had 12 or 13 assists in his last, like, 10 games. So he's a big, big part setting up why the Canucks have been playing well. You could also look to Tyler Myers, who's also averaging a lot of minutes per game. And I really want to move on to their goaltending here, which is a really, really big point for me here, too. They've really, really, really got... A really strong play from their goaltending in Thatcher Demko. He's got off to a really bad start this season, but he's really been play, played well since the, the Canucks kind of turned things around here. You know, right now I feel like the Canucks believe in their goaltender, um, but, you know, you, you, can't, you can't always bail on your goaltender. Mm -hmm. So this strong defense, Quinn, Tyler Myers, all the other guys they got, this is going to be a really good support around Demko, but... For me, moving forward with Vancouver, Demko would be the biggest question on this Vancouver team for me. And listen, if he plays strong, 
this is the biggest question mark for me moving forward. They will go as far as their goaltender will take them. Yeah, that's most teams, right? And I did want to touch upon Demko as well. I don't think he was ever necessarily part of the problem. I think when they started to struggle, it there's two theories in hockey. You're as good as, you know, from the net out. So your goaltenders, then your any defensemen that are on the ice and then any forwards that are on the ice. So you're as good as you are from the net out. Or you could say, there's also the saying that you're team is only as good as your goalie, right? So I think at the end of the day, Demko, you could look and say, well, the team was struggling and he was struggling, but he's been very consistent. He's 14th in goals against 2.55. That's not the stat that most observers of the game should be looking at, especially with goaltenders. It's a save percentage and he's at a 0.920. So 920 save percentage, that's solid. And he has made some spectacular saves. He's kept their season alive. We talk about players with a motor. You brought up Quinn Hughes. He's got wheels. He's a puck-moving defenseman. You have pieces in Vancouver. I think where they struggled was definitely on the offensive side of things, the team play. 100%. I definitely agree with you. And that's one of the main reasons why they turn things around is because they're being more aggressive on offense. They're changing their plan. They're getting big on getting two four-checkers into keeping the... uh, the opposing defenseman under pressure and listen when you do that strategy right you're going to create many 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 more scoring chances yeah they're running they're still what's amazing is that they're still running the same four check a one two two they're still playing the same system five on five they the only change that Boudreaux this is the only change he's made actually two changes one is a lineup change and one is a strategy change which you alluded to I want to bring up the only line change was putting Pearson on Miller's line. Miller's a point-per-game player, by the way, to top 10 in the league in points. But otherwise, he, the player deployment has been pretty much the same under Green to Boudreau. I think the most interesting thing, like you brought up, is the penalty kill. He's using Miller, Besser, Pedersen on the PK. He's putting star players on the ice, giving them more responsibility, telling them, we need you to win. We need you to play that defensive game in crucial times on the penalty kill. And their PK has gone from a 64% to an 89.5%. So they're starting to really, like you're saying, they're being more aggressive on the four check, on five on five, and on the penalty kill. And because of that, it's allowing them to create more offense by playing better defensively. They're playing an aggressive defense to jumpstart their offense. So I think this team, the only team that's been better than Vancouver in this last stretch is, I would say, the last 10, Pittsburgh. But Vancouver has really turned things around. Yeah, but I mean, I think when we take, when we look, you know, back to the month of December and, you know, where Vancouver was, they were kind of down worse than Pittsburgh was. I really think that this has been, you know, a really impressive stretch and a really impressive turnaround for the Canucks. Also, give credit where it's due. Players like Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson, they're producing pretty well too, JT Miller. So they get credit too for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, turnaround. Now, listen, there's one player I do want to talk about who really, I mean, has looked underwhelmingly bad, and that is Elias Pedersen. To start the season, man, there's no words to put on his performance. This was such a really poor performance. You know, he was lacking confidence, and his results were bad. I think this is part of the reason why the Canucks weren't really clicking, because he was really such, you know, a cold puck into this lineup, but Listen, he was lacking confidence all across the board, and you could tell when he played. Yeah, I think, you know, it it was also definitely confidence. You could see the big C is everything, and he's young. 
when he had confidence when they played in the playoffs, they played Vegas, went to game seven. He had four goals in that series. And then he comes into regular season play and he's struggling. Now, granted, the team around him, it's a different roster, different team, different linemates, whatever. Um, at the end of the day, I think confidence is everything. And <clears throat> I just don't, I think Green lost the room and was slowly losing the room. And those players were struggling to have confidence in, in their team and because of that confidence in their ability. So he struggled. He definitely still has, I don't think he's reached what his full potential can be. I think oh, what's disappointing yeah. is we know that he's not going to be a Connor McDavid um, or even really, I don't even know if he has it, you know, the Austin Matthews goal scoring potential, at least at the NHL level. I think what's disappointing is we've seen him play so great and we know that it's like not above his potential to be playing you know being their leader in goals in, in the playoffs we know he has that capability to be a goal scoring leader he does but <clears throat> a point i brought up a few months ago to a friend just talking about the nhl whatever was with the avalanche i looked and i said if you put pedersen on the on the avalanche's power play pedersen would be the fourth fifth best player on the ice Mm -hmm. I would say probably fourth. Pe Pe I don't. Pedersen doesn't have that all-star potential that some of the uh, you know goal-scoring stars in the league have, like a Leon Dreisaitl. But he's definitely a contributor, and it hurts when he's not producing. So I still think he needs to produce a little bit more. But we'll see. I mean, it's hard to place an expectation on a player because we don't know what they're going through. Yeah, he. <laughs> I mean, he had. I remember this whole story came out with this this stick scandal where he said where people were asking why he thought he was playing back because he really was. If you watch the Vancouver Canucks early on the season, he was playing horrible, and he was saying that he got a, He was getting a new stick, and he was blaming the stick. You know, blah 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 blah. I mean, really, his confidence was gone. It was down the drain. He couldn't really seem to handle the puck, let alone shoot it, Chives. <laughs> He's been playing better now. You know, the whole team is clicking. He's noticeably been playing a bit better now. And it's no mistake that when he's shooting and, and passing the, the puck that, like he used to, this Canucks team is going to play to its full advantage. Now having your number one center feeling like his old self is pretty self-evident advantage for a team that needs to keep piling up wins to, to build upon their position in the playoff standings. Now, get alone. Uh, the Canucks uh, still have a favorable schedule ahead in the, in the next few weeks. But they do have are gonna play some tougher teams. Like they play they play Tampa Bay coming up soon. They play the Hurricanes. They're gonna play I the Capitals. That Tampa game is our game of the week, by the way. I think it. I think you're right, Chives. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna play the Predators. They're gonna play the Avalanche. So they are gonna be playing a couple of tough teams uh, moving forward. They had a nice streak. Let's see if they continue it. Yeah, and like you stated. Some tough opponents coming up. They're going to have, I, I think it still is an uphill climb because they need four points, uh, you know, six points. They're going to need three wins to hop back into the playoff race to jump the Oilers and Flames and tie up the Sharks. We'll see what they can do because the Oilers are on a loss five. The Flames are out of the playoffs currently on a loss three. The Sharks are looking on the up and up a little bit this week, but take things game by game. The fact they're 8-1-1 is a sight to see. And I think what the shame is is that they're winning and they're changing everything that within that locker room, their, their product on the ice, and yet they're still second to last place, only above the Kraken in their division. So we'll see how things go with Vancouver. I think... I, I can't believe we almost missed talking about them last episode. At the end of last episode, we were like, we got to touch upon the Vancouver Canucks. 
Yeah, uh, you know, uh, we didn't want to cram them in there because we, we mentioned so much back in our last episode, but, you know, we wanted to give them the proper time that they deserve and really break them down. Now, you did mention uh, our Puck Talk Game of the Week is hap- is tonight. Canucks and Lightning. Who you got, Chives? I know we have our daily prediction predictions tab up on our website available where you could, you could find Chives and, and my predictions for every NHL game, night in, night out. Who you got tonight, Chives? Uh, I believe I took the lightning. I think tonight. you're right. Uh, I think even though I, I'm a huge, I mean, I like the Canucks. I like the way their roster's built, but the lightning are, they're a wagon this season. And I think they're a team that most people looked over just because, you know, they won the second cup. Uh, there were some more, there were interesting teams entering the top five in the league that we didn't expect. So I think a lot of the storylines were around that. Some scandals that happened in the beginning of the season, you know, the Blackhawks. So I think the attention was taken away a little bit from the fact that the Lightning started to heat up and now they're top of the league again. I'm going to take Tampa in this one. Interesting. I'm actually going to go with Vancouver here. Um, listen, they just came off a t- tough loss the other night against the Florida Panthers. I think that they're going to be looking to rebound here, and I think they're going to do it against the Lightning. Uh, listen, before that loss against the Panthers the other night, they had a nine-game win streak. I still think overall they're they're playing pretty well. They're clicking like we just mentioned. So I'm going to take Vancouver on this one. We'll, see, we'll see who's right. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, you're right. We'll see who's right. I also have Steven Stamkos in fantasy, so... You know, got to make sure I pad the boy. He's got to get some <laughs> stats for me, uh, going some goals, assists. But uh, I wanted to mention before we wrap things up that uh, this is kind of the way we want the show to move forward. Is we want to talk about more league-wide topics on our first show of the week, and then we want to dive into more main discussion topics like we had in the past with the you know our past shows, but more of a, a shorter length. I know this one went pretty long, but. We wanted to talk about Vancouver today. Uh, for the second episode of the week, we brought up a player before that we wanted to dive more into, a team like the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll probably go more specific on the second episode, do some news coverage and more specific topics that we're really interested in, dive a little bit deeper on the second episode. Yeah, and that's, that's not to say that we're not going to talk about news in the, in the second episode of the week. But um, we kind of want to format it this way because it's kind of how we did it before back when we did Puck Talk years ago. And that format kind of worked and you guys seem to like that. So we're going to transition that moving forward here, uh, moving forward. Yeah, given a variety of the product, two different types of episodes, two different formats. That way it's not the same exact episode you're getting two different days of the week. Yeah, so like you, like we just mentioned, uh, you could be on the lookout for at least two episodes every week, maybe even three if we have the time. Um, as you, you can read about us in our uh, about me pages, Chaz and I, we we will be attending school soon, but definitely we will always make time for puck talk. Oh, for sure. Please follow our Instagram. We are starting to post news posts now on our Instagram. We have some videos that we put up promoting the website. We have the link to the site. We have links to everything across the board on all of our different platforms. So please follow our Instagram. Please follow our Twitter where we'll also have content coming up, especially when we're tweeting about our podcast. And that's a great way to find out about the podcast. Another great way to find out if we posted the podcast is by subscribing. Please subscribe to the website. We have a homepage that's essentially a link tree to all of our different links. 
YouTube, Spotify. There's no Apple Music up there yet, but if you're an Apple Music user, we're on there as well. So the big thing was that we got on Spotify. That's our pride and joy right now. So please listen to us on Spotify, share us on Spotify, spread the word of Puck Talk CS. Yes, sir. Couldn't have said that better myself, Chives. Listen, we talked about a lot of tough things here and a lot of debatable things. Canucks, Lightning, share your opinion as well as commenting. You can comment as well. Let, let us know what you guys are for. You could also email us at pucktalkcs at gmail.com. Any questions that you guys have. We used I know, to get a lot of those. We are more than happy to answer your fan questions right here on the show. So let us know. And always remember, it's just the luck of the puck. <laughs>